Welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. If you're struggling to stay ahead of your daily life challenges, you will want to listen close as Eva and her guests will help you address the most important priorities first. Now, here's your host, Eva Medelec. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most. I'm your host, Eva Medelec, and I am so glad that you chose to spend your precious time with us today. You know, the show is about making time for what's important to you and getting clear on what matters most. How you spend your time, effort, and energy is a direct reflection of your values and priorities. And when it comes to how we spend our time, we don't always choose wisely. You know, I love to quote Jen Sincero. She's the author of the Badass Book series. Time comes to those who make it and not to those who try and find it. So it's time for us to protect our precious time and get clear on what's important now. Now, my guest today is Heidi Day, the amazing Heidi Day. And Heidi is known affectionately as the soul healer. And in her 20 years as a coach, she's had the personal privilege of supporting over 400 women to clarify their purpose and gain emotional freedom. And she's impacted thousands this healing movement that she's birthed has the core message that everyone has something to heal and everything we want is on the other side of our healing. So I'd love for you to join me in welcoming Heidi to what's important now. Hey, how are you today? It's good to be with you. I'm amazing. I am. I know you are. I know you are. So I love to start out by asking all of my guests the same question. Who is Heidi? Mm. Heidi is an effervescent, always striving, creative mommy of now four and a wife of 16 16 years. And in my marriage, I'm typically the one that has to turn to him and say, how many years, babe? But yeah, 16, 16 years. And so I'm passionate. I'm passionate about life. I am passionate also about really being clear and intentional on healing my childhood through my motherhood experience. Beautiful, beautiful. So, you know, I heard you say that you're passionate about healing your childhood through motherhood. So what problems do you solve for people? Yeah. So as you mentioned in the intro, I have a fundamental belief and a knowing that everybody has something to heal and the things that we want, everything that you really want, be it the body, the um, marriage, the intimacy, the success is on the other side of your healing. And so specifically what I do is I work with women who have paved their path to success, trying to outperform their pain. So even these are people that I, I call, they're like my success addicts. And they basically are folks that use success as anesthesia. And they're very successful and they have all of the trinkets to show for it. And the problem that I solve for them is really helping them to get off that merry-go-round where they have to do more in order to feel like they're just enough. That is so interesting. Now, 
my curiosity lies in how do they know that that's a problem? Mm, great question. So they typically know that that's a problem because they're burned out. They are feeling successful, but not satisfied, very frustrated. Um, and, and there is a there is a disharmony because from the outsider, what I would say from their um, their street view, you know, their curb appeal is popping. From the curb, it's like, wow, they look amazing. Everything looks so good. Girl, you have it going on. Your, your IG profile is like, wow. But inside there is a cost. And often that cost is selling your soul. And selling your soul it's working and the world is saying, yeah, you're doing great, but the cost is you're burned out, you're empty, you're feeling frustrated. You're wondering why am I successful? Why am I making six figures? And yet I'm still not feeling like I thought I would be feeling at this level of success. Something is incongruent. So it's a niggling. I often call this like our dirty little secret. It's our dirty little secret because we don't wanna talk about how we are addicted to success. And so when we get low, we just do more and we become more successful. We get more followers. We, you know, create a new program. We do whatever the case may be, not understanding that it is this dirty little secret that just kind of churns on. So you are using success in your wording as anesthesia, but could it also be a drug that gives you a high? Have you found that? Have you found that as well? Anesthesia is. Anesthesia is a drug. It's it's it is makes me sleepy. (laughs) It's an approved drug, right? Mm. That's the thing. Like you know, when we say that we've gone to the anesthesiologist, nobody clutches their pearls. But if I say, you know, I went to my dope man on the corner, then everyone has a question. And so that's what makes it the dirty little secret is that it's so acceptable. It's an accept. It is an acceptable addiction that is encouraged and applauded in our society. And people are like, wow, you're killing it. You're doing it. Wow. How do you keep it all going? So it's absolutely a drug. And it's, I mean, not even just metaphorically, but we know that we have dopamine and we have serotonin and we have these different hits that happen in our brain when we are successful. The problem is just like any other drug, the effect of it doesn't last. And so when we come down off that high, we don't know how to in, um, internalize it and really sustain it with who we are. So we go back out and we go back into the doing. It sounds to me like this is a common problem with a lot of people, especially in today's world of trying to not only survive what we just went through in the last couple of years, but actually try to thrive it. You see um, mental health issues, um, the unwellness in our mental space on the rise, people doing more harm to themselves. It's really, really sad to see what all of that has come to a head with the last two years. People who are used to going, 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 all of a sudden had to stop because of COVID and because of the shutdowns, what are you seeing those, those same, how are you seeing, I should ask, those type of people handle the effects of the last two years of COVID? And like so many, I mean, we saw our former first lady say, you know what, 
I, I think I'm experiencing some low grade depression. And the truth of the matter is our mental health um, crisis is, is everywhere. It is a ubiquitous crisis that is a it's affecting our teenagers. It's affecting our, our women in business. It's affecting men. It's affecting our black men. You know, I, I am happy and sad to see so many black men turning to therapy. Um, so it is definitely crossing all kind of age and gender and socioeconomical, um, you know, profiles. So the good and the bad, right? So the good of it is that for those that were in that space of doing and doing, doing, when the pandemic happened and everything shut down and there was nothing to be done, a lot of people had to go off of their drug cold turkey. The good of that is that it, they recognize, holy shit, I have a problem. Now, they may not have labeled the problem correctly, but they recognize I'm not okay. And then that is the work that is kind of for us to be doing right now is recognizing I have experienced trauma. We have experienced a collective trauma. Now what? How do I heal? How do I become better in the aftermath of this experience and more authentic in who I am and how I'm showing up in the world? So what makes you an expert at solving this type of problem? Yeah, I wrote the book on it. Did. So I did. So 20 years ago, I um, started a nonprofit for victims of domestic violence, sexual assault, female veterans, um, and really understanding that these were all women that were coming from such great places of trauma. And I literally wrote the curriculum for that program. It was the first coaching program used to treat trauma here in North America. And from that point, what I found was that there were so many of my supporters, the people that were writing the check to be able to support the work that we were doing, that were coming to me in hushed tones at the Ritz-Carlton and the Intercontinental as we would have our fundraisers. And they would say, oh, Heidi, what you're doing for these women is so lovely. I wish that there was something like this for me. And that is when I really understood and really launched into the Well-Heeled Movement of understanding that these women are just broken at a higher level. They have the same sort of problems. It just looks different when you add a couple of commas into your bank account. So did you study this in, in school to be able to write this curriculum? Was this you know, part of your thesis or your so major area of study? It absolutely was. So I did, my, my background is in industrial organizational psychology. And I worked in psychiatrist office. I was just telling um, someone earlier that at 19, I was doing SA and NA groups for addiction. And um, I started this very early. And really, if we go back a little bit further, Eva, in answering your question, I'm a product of domestic violence and sexual assault. And so it is from that place that I realized that even in the midst of the hellaciousness that I was raised in, I had privilege and I had become better, not bitter in the aftermath of my experiences. And I really wanted to create like, what's the roadmap? How do I, how do I then take my journey, bottle it up 
and be able to offer it to other people so that they can thrive and really using their trauma as a catalyst for who they get to be. I love that you said you became better, not bitter. I actually had to write that down and using the trauma as a catalyst, you know, um, after George Floyd's murder, uh, almost exactly two years ago, there were so many people who reached out to me to, to try to heal me from what I was experiencing. And, you know, um, we as people of color experienced a, a wide range of emotions and grief and trauma, ancestral and current and past and present during that time. And even just recently, I read something on um, someone's Facebook that actually triggered me and really upset me. And, and a friend reached out and said, well, just block her, you know, do yourself a favor, your mental health a favor. And I thought about that. And back then, two years ago and today, it keeps me going. It fuels my mission. It fuels my calling to continue to do the work that I do around creating safe and inclusive and diverse spaces for us here. And, you know, using the getting better and not staying bitter, we can apply that to so many areas of our lives. And sometimes using what has hurt us in the past to make us better and be able to help other people in their healing and making themselves better is a gift that we have to not be bitter. So I just want to thank you for doing the work that you do. So real quick, who are you for? I always ask people this before we go on break and who shouldn't bother reaching out to you for help? (laughs) Who are you not for? (laughs) If it's everybody's fault, but yours, I'm not your girl. your girl, right? Like there, we get to, in, in the, the language that you just used, we get to recognize that I am responsible. And certainly, you know, as someone that has survived abuse and molestation and different things, I'm not responsible for what they did. I am responsible for what I do now. So I am really connected and drawn to and excited about serving women that are successful and that understand that what they want, the other level of success, their next piece of joy, the deeper intimacy that they have is beyond where they are now. They've taken themselves as far as they can go now and they they are really ready um, and willing to look up underneath that hood, you know, Are you able to look up underneath that hood? Are you willing to look up underneath the hood for your greater good? I love that you use the word willing because we may be ready and we certainly are able, but a lot of times we're just not willing to go under the under the under and see what's going on there. A lot like I do with my, oh, we have to look at our our QuickBooks this month. I'm not willing. I'm well, I'm more than capable. And so we have to take radical responsibility to be able to look under the under and look under the hood and see where we can move forward to our own personal healing. We've got to be responsible for it. It's not anybody's fault and it's not anybody else's responsibility, but ours. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes we want to pray it away. 
If you're trying to pray it away, I'm not your person. If you are blaming it away, I'm not your person. Um, because I get to work with those people who are saying, you know what, I have courage and I am willing to say, hey, what can I change? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. And so that is the, that is the person, the people that I work with, they're high, highly driven, they're motivated, you know, and they get it. They get that, okay, I, I recognize that success has been my addiction and I'm, I want out. And, and it's scary to give up what you've been addicted to. It's scary. No matter what it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We can all, I'm sure, relate to that. And, and I'm sure that so many people see themselves or maybe someone they know using their drive and their success to avoid their pain. So we're going to take a quick little break, guys. And when we come back from break, I want to talk more about the ways this numbing and anesthesia show up in our lives. You know, how, what are the signs? How does it manifest? So be sure to stay with us and we'll be right back. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. Welcome back, everyone. So I've been in a great discussion with my guest, Heidi Day, and just want to give you a little reminder that if you have any questions for Heidi or any comments that you want to make, you are free to call in anytime at 866-472-5795. So before we went on break, we were talking about so many things where this drug-addicted wait a minute, this, this drug addicted addiction to success <laughs> can show up and how it numbs our pain and keeps us from really facing things that we need to face in our life to be healed. So what are some of the ways, Heidi, that you've seen people use their work as medicine? Like, 
what are you seeing out there in, in your clients? Yeah. Um, so I'm seeing burnout. I am seeing the person that when the, the pressure comes, that they turn towards work, they turn towards a new program, they turn towards when whatever starts creeping up inside, they turn towards it. It's kind of like, it's what soothes them. If you think about with babies, like teaching them to self-soothe, if you're someone that soothes yourself with success, with um, another kind of like what I call a trinket or a trophy, um, and really also if you are in this space of recognizing that you're running on E, it's like, oh my gosh, people are like, you, you're, you're going, you have so much power, you have so much energy, what are you doing? You're like the Energizer Bunny, but you're running on E, good sign that perhaps you're in that space of using success as anesthesia. And then being numb, you know, so often it's like, I'll talk with people and again, the mask the mask is amazing. And it's like, oh, okay, I'm having a challenge. Let me go buy, buy another Louie. Oh. I was just going to say retail therapy yeah. has got to be a sign or a symptom Absolutely. of that. And I'm thinking of people right now that I know who do that. And also the shiny object syndrome. Yeah. You know, let me do this. Let me go here. It's almost, it's like, um, you know, a, a cat with a laser pointer, you know, something to do with that energy instead of just kind of stopping and dealing with the root of the problem. So we've got retail therapy, shiny object syndrome, running on empty. What are the physical manifestations that you notice of running on empty? Goodness gracious. So, um, Adrenal fatigue, uh, fatigue in general. Um, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause you a second because I hear the term adrenal fatigue. And when I first heard it, I had no idea what it meant. So to our listeners who may not know what adrenal fatigue is, can you go a little bit more deeper, okay. deeper into that? Sure. And it really is quite interesting when we start talking about, there's a lot of, let me first say, controversy around adrenal fatigue. Like there are those that say, hey, this doesn't exist. And then there are those that suffer from it and they're like, it absolutely exists, right? So when we think about our adrenal glands, they are the ones that kind of give us the energy that we need to, to perform the task at hand, right? And so if we are in overdrive all the time, that that particular gland is like, I'm exhausted. I don't have anything else to give, right? And it, it kind of like tunkers out. So in layman's terms, it is when we have burned out, we burned rubber on, that, on those adrenals and they are just depleted and done. And so, and, and it's, it's a very mysterious kind of a, a situation with that adrenal fatigue that looks like a lot of different things for different people, but other physical symptoms of being in this space could be insomnia. It could also be overeating. It could be a lack of a sex drive or really just being able to connect with people outside of yourself in general. So there is this, this idea, we talk about the range of regulation, Eva, and really wanting all of us needing to be in that healthy range. If we get hypo or hyper, either too high, too low, 
then we get into this space where we could be frozen or we can be manic, neither of which are ways that we want to live because those extremes are just circumstantial. They should not be the zip code in which we hang out. How is this impacting the families of people who are experiencing this? Where's mom? Being present and absence at the same time. Being present and absent at the same time. That's a writer downer. You know, really, we have this extension of our hand being our cell phone, right? And our cell phones are more powerful than the computers that were initially invented. We can do more. We can like, I, I took my son, um, my, my two children to the airport this morning to go to Dominican Republic. And I accidentally filled a format wrong. They said, no problem. Here's the link. They shot it to me. I read it the whole thing right there on the spot. And I thought to myself, this is privilege, but it's also a hook because it's always right there. I can always send one more email. I can check one more thing. I can do one more thing. And so for the family of the person who is in this overdrive space, there's just a, a, a vacancy that is there. And for kids, kids internalize that as I'm not important enough. That's powerful. That's powerful. You know, because I remember the good old days, here I am aging myself, when we could literally unplug because we didn't have, we had cell phones to actually just make calls. Yeah. If we needed to call someone, you know, for emergencies or whatever. And, and now that it can do all of these things, we don't, we are not disciplined enough to give ourselves break time. I know for me personally, when I walk my dog, it's a phone free zone. I also think, well, what if I'm kidnapped while walking the dog? They'll never be able to find me. And I'm like, that's okay. Because it's just, it's just my space to be out in nature with her and to be alone with my thoughts and not have that addiction, distraction, the addiction of distraction that keeps you from being present. And what I'm finding fascinating about what you're saying is distraction itself is an addiction from being present. And sometimes being present or being alone or being still brings up our pain. Mm. I was reading um, Will Smith's autobiography because I was really fascinated to go under the under of that, um, that I Oscar slap and how he was using his success. I mean, this is so on point with what you do. He was using his success and his drive for success as anesthetics for his pain and how it was driving a wedge between his wife and his children, his first wife, his second wife, his children. But it was very, very hard for him to see, even though he was getting the feedback. But it was hard for him to see until he went to therapy or until he worked with a coach, both of them, to see how he was using his drive for success to just really give him that, that sugar rush, that high of being accepted which through his early life experience caused him pain to struggle to be accepted. So the question I wanted to really bring up to you is like, we all have some kind of pain, right? 
Are there any particular trauma experiences that cause this success as anesthesia syndrome more than others that you found in, in how you coach and the people you're coaching? Yes. It's a great question. It's a great question. So those that have experienced complex trauma, meaning it's not just necessarily a one-time event, but something that is ongoing, coupled with gaining approval for behavior. So it's like, you know, everyone has something going on in our background that we need to deal with. And when you have a parent who often is in, in their own trauma trap, right? And they're like, you know, the only time that they're really doling out praises and love and affection is when you have all, all um, A's or when you make the touchdown or when you make cheer squad or whatever, that is teaching that young brain, oh, l- love equals doing. When I am enough, I then get the attention, the applause, the accolades, the whatever from those that are, are most important to me. And that's a recipe for disaster. Now, it, it can happen in other ways, absolutely, right? But that there, that's a... That's a big one. It's a big one. And it's, it's a- common. It's that performance approval. What I found in, in my clients and you know I, I do an onboarding process with my clients to find all of this out is the ones that had the overly critical angry parents you know if you brought home an a minus why wasn't it an a you know you got to be couldn't you do better what went wrong there was almost like that not good enough never enough not good enough which now that i hear you say it makes complete sense for using success as if I'm more successful, if I'm better, if I have more, 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 to be enough to get that approval that they sought mm-hmm. in their childhood or in their early life experiences. So, you know, I mentioned earlier about self-soothing, right? And, you know, as babies, they may suck their thumb, they may rock, they may rub something. There are different things that babies do. And, and really, we often, you know, will shame them. Get your fingers out your mouth. Or, you know, don't put that, put that little stuffy down. Or, you know, he's too old to have that blankie or whatever the case may be. But it is an important, an important self-mastery skill to be able to put yourself in that range of regulation. Okay, tell me more about that, because here's where I, I'm getting confused. And there's the self-soothing of the thumb, the pacifier, the, the blankie, or whatever that is. And as adults, self-soothing can look like the Louis Vuitton purse. Right, because they said, take your thumb out your mouth. <laughs> um, now, so that what you did to get yourself into a place of regulation was not acceptable, whatever that was. And listen, I had a pacifier, a a passy fairy that came to take my baby's pacifier like at three, because I saw the orthodontist bill approaching and I was like, 
That's so funny. I had the same thing with my daughter and I worked in a dental office (laughs) since I was like 16 years old. And I saw what was happening to her teeth. And I'm like, okay, we got to figure this out. <laughs> oh, listen, we did a whole, like, we had a whole experience where the passy fairy came and took the pacifier. So there's a time and a place, right? But, and, and, and no one really, I mean, certainly I will not say that I have the answers to that. Like, when do we shut that down? But it's really about allowing a child, allowing a baby to come into their own. My mother used to always say about my kids, and I would hear her say about others, they're not going to take it to college. Have you ever seen a a, a person walking on college with a pacifier? I mean, and it's really a, a thing, right? Like, but as parents, there's all of this pressure to like, oh, my child has to be good enough and fast enough and keeping up with, you know, the peers and whatever these charts are saying and all of this craziness, as opposed to allowing them to just really find their way and their voice and their truth. And so when we redirect that and say, no, your way, how you get to being okay is not okay. Then I find the socially acceptable. I get better grades. I, you know, score the the home run. I recognize what I need to do to make mommy and daddy say that I am okay. So if we bring this into our adult life, and we now have that sense of control. Nobody can tell me that I can't buy these shoes or this purse or take a a vacation that I can't really afford, but I'm gonna go anyway because this is what I need. How do we self-regulate as an adult some of these self-soothing behaviors that are working as masks, not getting to the root of the problem? Mm-hmm. we begin with the end in mind we get to the root of the problem right like will smith just kept going he kept you know doing the thing until he recognized that there was a problem and and, and unless and until you recognize there is a problem you're going to continue to soothe in whatever way is in your knowing so my question to you is how do they recognize that there is a problem? Is, does it take some, uh, a loss, uh, a loss of a marriage, a loss of a child, a loss of a friendship, a loss of a job, a loss of something, or somebody just saying, hey, you need to chill out. Like, how does this realization come so that they can start on their path to healing? And who gets to point that out to them? So it doesn't have to come as a loss. It can, you know, there are oftentimes that I'll have a client that say, hey, my mom died and my life fell apart. And what I would come back and like, sweetie, your life was falling apart before your mama ever died. It was just that breaking point, right? COVID was a breaking point. But I love the folks that have enough self-awareness that they're like, you know what? This just isn't how I want to continue to walk through the world, right? Like it doesn't have to be this big moment that yanks you out of your current reality. There can be that thing. It's kind of like when you decide, here is, here is what I say. When you have decided that you have suffered enough, then and only then will you change. Got it. Got it. I see it as a mobilizing event. For me, it was when I discovered my husband's infidelity that I realized that I owned part of the responsibility for that. 
it was very, very powerful for me. And just like the words you say, I do not want to continue through life being the type of person I was being because I just wanted to be successful. And I was more into doing than into being. And that was a powerful mobilizing event. And I often say to people, my husband's infidelity saved our marriage because I don't know how much longer I would have continued being like that, destroying my relationships because I was so hell bent on being successful and, and working and building and working and building and just in that energy before, you know, maybe he would have just left. But the fact that I discovered what was going on gave me an opportunity to get under the under and get to the root of it, of how I was being, how he was being, and really create a commitment and a plan and people to help us get healed and get to the other side and see what's possible and focus on the future. So powerful, powerful insights, Heidi. And I, and I hope anybody listening who may recognize themselves in that um, will take a moment and reach out to you for help. But right now we're going to take a quick break. And when we return, I want to hear more about why you chose to do this work. And I also know that you have something that you want to share with our audience. So stay with us. We'll be back after these messages. Having higher levels of energy is something you choose and condition, not something you have. Exhaustion has been a challenge for over two years now. This is the year you can choose to change. Here are five things you can start doing today to reverse the burnout, stress, and overwhelm that is keeping you from living a life full of good health and happy relationships. www.evamedelec.com slash reverse burnout. If you're an influencer, you don't follow the trends, you set them. Voice America influencers are involved in creating change in personal and professional lives, collaborating and driving value to make our lives better. We have world-renowned thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, artists, and some of the most influential voices today. Listen in today to what they have to say. Engage in the conversation. The Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. Answer the call. What's stopping you from having more money, time, energy, and fun? Learn how to break through where you stop so that you can have greater success, better health, and happier relationships. Take this free quiz to identify what's stopping your success and learn exactly what you can do about it. www.evamedelec.com slash quiz. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with host Eva Medelec. Have a question for Eva or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show. Here again is Eva Medelec. And we're back. Welcome back, everyone. And I do want to remind you that you have the opportunity to call in and ask Heidi anything at 866-472-5795. So um, just to get back to what we were talking about before and how it's our responsibility to be healed 
and how to take what I call radical responsibility for how your behavior impacts the results that you have in your life, in your business, in your health, and your family. You talk on your website about how you became well healed. Mm. What does that mean? So it's really interesting, right? The old English term of being well healed is, you know, there, there are different ideas of where it comes from but alludes to being a person of means, right? To being, you have good shoes, as in like literally being well healed, right? So for me, the double entendre of being well healed in our soul or as a soul healer is A, unpacking that story and recognizing that how we tell our story, you know, you mentioned about your husband's infidelity and there is the one option of playing the victim of like, oh, this thing that happened to me, right? Um, and then there is a reframing of the story of perhaps we start with, I'm devastated, I'm hurt, I was victimized. And then we go into, let's tell that story again. Let's look at that a little bit differently and see how if we reframe it, if I'm able to reframe my story, how I can see it through a different lens, I can see where I was responsible, how I contributed, how I, what have you. And then moving in from being able to reframe the story of seeing where this story has left a mark. What holes in our souls do we have? Am I someone that over that overdoes it? Am I someone that is, you know, tends to be absent in my relationships? Am I someone like, and for me, it was looking at that same thing. And I kind of have the, a, a similar story to you in that as well of like, okay, for the stuff that has gone horribly wrong in my life, let me look and see what was my part of that. And then really creating a healing habit, right? Like you don't lose weight and say, I went to the gym, I, I ate great. I'm down to my ideal size, I'm done. No, you, you create a lifestyle to sustain that. And so it's the same thing within our healing journey is really creating these healing habits that allow us to be in the new story. We're in a new story. The old story doesn't serve us anymore. We have cast that off and really stepping into this place of this new story that is life affirming or what we would say in my space, this is living your divine ideal. I love what you said about the habits and creating habits, because I do find in, you know, we're human, that we need habits to create consistent results. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom used to celebrate losing a couple of pounds by having a slice of pound cake. You know, it just didn't, it didn't make sense. <laughs> and I always used to tease her about that. Gosh, I miss her. But my point is that what we do, we have to do consistently to have lasting results. You know, I look at my, my own marriage and what we had to create consistently and setting that intention of who we want to be to have the relationship we want to have in our marriage, who we want to be, you know, who I want to be to be successful and to be working with, you know, my clients and people I come in contact with, but it takes consistent, intentional action until it becomes a habit, you know, and, and habits are just as hard to form as they are to break. So what is the process of creating these, these healing habits that are consistent? Do you have any that you can share with us? 
I do, I do, I do, I do. In fact, um, that is a, a perfect TF. So I am actually providing uh, a masterclass. It's called F Willpower because willpower we want to think, I just need to muster through it, right? I just gotta, I just gotta buck up and do it. I gotta do what I gotta do, right? That lasts until it doesn't. And then once it doesn't, then we are in this space of, it's that burnout. I can't go, I, I can't push myself to the limit anymore. And so I'm like, let's forget about willpower, F willpower. And instead let's tap into our neuroscience of our emotions because our emotions are actually what drives our habits. It really is. And so we tap into neuroscience to do that. And we also look at habit stacks. So we're Kate. Oh, Creed. I love that. I love that. Brain so, hacks and habit stacks. Before, before you go deeper into that, I want to touch on emotions a little bit. Here's my, my stand on emotions that our feelings and our emotions are valid. They get to be felt, they get to be experienced, they get to be um, validated, valued, all of the things. However, they also can be the catalyst for sabotaging our success and what we wanna create and who we wanna be. You know, Will Smith is a perfect example of having his emotions not being aligned to the best of who he knows he is and the best of who he can be. So I see, I see you <laughs> chomping at the bit here. Let's hear what you have to say about that. I think emotions get a bad rap. I think emotions get a bad rap, right? So we have thoughts, feelings, and actions. It was, his emotion was not displaced. His action was misplaced. And he was acting based on his emotion. Well, there was an action. I mean, there was a, a, an emotion. Mm -hmm. There was a thought. And then there was an action. So exactly, see, when, when exactly. We, we're like, oh, you know, I said, when I did, had the nonprofit for victims of domestic violence, and a lot of times the abusers would go to anger management. And we would say all the time, this person doesn't have an anger management problem. Because when the police stops him, he's in a he's aligned. When the when his boss goes off on him, he, he's he's very appropriate. In fact, he's charming. So it's not an issue of an anger issue. It's not an emotional issue. It is a behavioral issue. It is making a different choice because I had the feeling, and then from that we have six seconds to then choose. When it, as emotion is coming through our body, we have exactly six seconds. Science has proven this of looking at how long it takes for that emotion, that neurotransmitter to flood our bodies. And we can make a different choice if we so choose to do it. So as an exactly. emotional- Exactly, actually we're on the same page. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. totally on the same page with this. I, I was hoping for a nice juicy little debate here, but no, we're saying the same thing, but a little bit differently. And it is, we can choose how we act. We can't choose how we feel. Right. You know, we feel what we feel and our feelings are real and valid, but we, where we have the powerful choice is how we either react or respond. Mm -hmm. Those are our two choice points. I have this formula that I use called S plus R equals R. You've got a situation, 
plus R is your either reaction or your response, and the equal R is your result. You get to choose what's in the middle, that middle R. You're going to knee-jerk react or you're going to respond responsibly. So, so let's talk about your habit stacking and, and how that works. So um, again, habit stacking is kind of on the back end. That's the behavior. But before we get there, we're really choosing the emotion. So how is it that you want to feel? Be it in the morning, for an example. I help um, the guests that come to the F Willpower Masterclass, we create habit stacks. How do you want to feel in the morning? Because that's what, that's what we're going to then um, use to inform what we put into that. You want to feel at ease. You want to feel powerful. You want to feel energized. You want to feel spiritually connected. Then we base that based on whatever it is that you're already doing. And we begin to build that out from there. So it's a really cool option of using brain, ha brain hacks and habit stacks to create a different result. And that is, you know, as opposed to trying to like wrangle our feelings or as opposed to using this willpower, I've got to, you know, I've, I've got to want to do it all the time. You're not going to want to work out all the time. So then what, right? You're not going to want to meditate every time. So then what? So really being able to look at how do we create structures and systems for the person who's already highly driven and very successful to really create a scenario that works for them and using their own brain science and then doing the habit stacks that, that fall into place with that. I think I call your habit stacks pit stops in my day because um, I, I always look at uh, race car drivers and NASCAR racing and how those lead cars, even though they're going really fast and they may be in the lead, they will stop for a pit stop before the tire blows out, <laughs> before they run out of gas. And if we could find ways where we can fuel ourselves before we get to the point of no return, mm. like you said, how do you want to feel? Well, I want to feel energized all day. Okay, so what are you putting in your body for fuel? Are you just satisfying hunger? Or are you eating food that fuels your performance for the day? And so it takes a little bit of, of real intentionality in research. And my understanding of habit stacking was you look at a habit that you already have, and then you add something that you want to create to it. How... Is, is that the same view that you have it on is. habit stacking? Okay. I just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page. So for example, I love that you said start in the morning with how you want to feel and create a morning routine. That's similar to, to what I coach my clients in as well. Create a morning routine that sets you up for performance and success and how you want to feel during the day. Because so goes your morning, but so, so goes your life. However, what we have really found is that it's the nighttime. Our, our mornings are made or, you know, it, it's a make or break depending on what we do at night. So are we getting enough rest? Next to breathing, sleep is the second most important bodily function. And so like, how is your sleep hygiene? And really looking at those kind of things. So the, the F Willpower Masterclass is so powerful because it really does put you in the driver's seat 
for the results that you want. And it, it does this really tapping into what's already existing within you. We're not going out and doing anything crazy. It's, it's doable, it's short, and it's something that really can be kind of gamified and fun when you have the resources of like, oh, this is how I do it. So how can people get in touch with you, Heidi? Yes, yes. So um, the website for the masterclass is HeidiDay.live forward slash F willpower as an EFF willpower. That is Heidi Day, H-E-I-D-I dot live forward slash F willpower. And that will give you more information on the masterclass. It'll also connect you with me and my Facebook group. So that one place can kind of like get you into all of my, into all of my spots. That is very, very helpful. And you know what? We all get to look at who we are being as we are doing and what we are hiding <laughs> by the fact that we are doing so much. So I just want to take time to, to thank you for, for sharing your time with us so generously and giving us these resources where we can really work on uncovering what we are mm -hmm you know, what we are hiding from, what we are running from and what we're using as anesthesia. It's really a good look into, into inside of ourselves. Yeah. And um, I want to just really thank our listeners for choosing to give us not only your ears, but of your time to listen to Heidi share just some real eye-opening insights into some of us who are using workaholism to hide from, what, from our pain. So I just want to leave you with these final words that time has a wonderful way of showing us what really matters. So even though this show is ending, you know, we don't have to end the conversation here. You can follow me. You can follow Heidi on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn so that we can keep this conversation going and you can ask questions and get the resources that you need to heal your pain. And I want to invite everyone back next week to join us when my guests will be Dr. Catherine Zagoni and Sarah Mincer. They're the founders of Clockwise. And this is really cool because they created something that helps couples with fertility struggles be able to conceive. So be sure to tune into that show. It's, it's amazing. I'm so impressed by them. So remember that real gratitude for life shows up in how we manage our time. So until next time, Bye for now. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening to What's Important Now, making time for what matters most with Eva Medelec. We hope we've been able to inspire you with today's show to take control of your own life and focus on the win. What's important now? Until we talk again, have a beautiful week.